listeners. Welcome again to another episode of the Gary, the Chip and Gary Tennis Show. I keep wanting to say Gary and Chip, but Chip Hooper, unfortunately, is not here, but he's an Arkansas Razorback, so that's okay, because today we're going to be talking a little bit about the University of Texas, and uh, I want to tell you something. There's a place down in Texas uh, at the football stadium in Austin underneath. They've got about 10 stories of what used to be classroom buildings. I was in the physical education department, took a lot of classes there. But now, 30 years later, it's all glassed in and there's all these fantastic rooms and um, sky boxes and, and also classes. But there's also this thing that's out of this world for anybody that's a real athlete. It's called the Stark Center um, Physical Culture and Sport. And it's the most comprehensive museum and library and archive of all kinds of things. There's a, there's a big statue of Hercules in there. And it uh, really was developed by uh, Terry and Jan Todd, who were into bodybuilding and, and you know, world champions. And um, they uh, put together this center that's just unbelievable and it has all kinds of archival material about our alternative medicine and you know all of the old exercise type things that were used and things in bodybuilding that are you know an artwork that's just beyond it's you know I've never seen anything like it and it's just statues all around and busts so we're having a tennis reunion I think it's when my coach Snyder and this uh guest of mine that I'm so happy to get on here. It's going to be a lot of fun talking to him. Um, having this uh, party and so the Stark Center's got some tennis things out and because they also have all the Sports Illustrated, for example. And uh, uh, there's incidentally on Netflix, if anybody's interested, there's something called Legends of Strength that is a two-part series on, um, you know, the physical culture of sport. And Cindy Slater runs this Stark Center down there and does a phenomenal job. So, you know, I never would have been there probably if I hadn't known about it and had this uh, tennis reunion from Texas. But it is a world-class museum right there at, underneath the football stadium. And so what I'm leading to is we've got, you know, in the case, this tennis uh, album that uh, Coach Woods and Coach Snyder had kind of put together back in the 70s and 80s with all of the great tennis players from the 30s on. And it's turned to this one page, and it's this guy that I'm gonna be talking to that's Spread Eagle hitting a forehand volley in the mid 80s. Uh, it's not Kevin Kern or Wilmer Allison or one of the NCAA champions, or, but it's, it's, it's Tom Fontana. And I said, I have got to call this guy. I have got to let him know. And I sent him a picture of that, and I said, you made the Stark Center. And uh, uh, Tom is a, a guy that I first uh, saw when I had uh, played a pro tournament in Wall, New Jersey. That was my last pro tournament. It was a American Express, you know, mini tour tournament. And there was a young guy that came over in his first tournament in the United States named Johan Creek that happened to win that tournament. He went right through it. So few weeks later I was playing a little tournament and there was this 14 year old kid hanging around watching the matches and trying to play a little bit and I said man that guy's pretty good you know and uh, uh, 
Tom Fontana later became one of the the, the best uh, Eastern uh, Tennis Association, I guess New Jersey's Eastern Tennis Association, and then you know found his way down to the University of Texas. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey Gary, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, how, so, so how did you get down to the University of Texas? Well, I, um, I was, uh, I was, I had gone my junior year. I left New Jersey and I got my junior year to, to, to Nick Voluntary Tennis Academy. I was one of the, I was probably there at the second class from from uh, seventy nine to eighty. And now, who uh, was down there with you at that point, Tom? I was rooming with Eric Carita and Paul Anacone and a guy named Jim Spielman and we had a we had a blast so we were all down there together and uh, I was playing the circuit um, I was you know a top 20 in the country ranked junior at that time and uh, I was being recruited who so, was top who was top one and two and three in the country at that time right right uh, at that time we probably had um, Matt Anger uh, oh, Sammy yeah. Giamalva. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Sammy Giamalva, yeah, boy, he was Scott a tough Davis, player. Scott Davis, Scott Davis. Oh, you know, those, one of the best guys. junior players of all time. That's right. Scott so, won yeah. at every level. Uh, interesting. So you were right there, and you were working out with those guys. I guess Chip Hooper wasn't quite down there yet, was he? You know, the only time I met Chip, he was in college at that time, and every year uh, the coach there, Coach Pucci, used to bring his University of Arkansas team in, and they would play the best six players down at the Voluntary Academy in a dual match. So uh, I played uh, in that match. I think I played number five that day, and I think Arkansas beat us, and and Chip Hooper played one, and he did beat Jimmy Arias that day. Is that uh, right? He, yeah, you know, he could yeah. play. And and he later beat Jimmy Ayers 6-1 in the fifth at the French, which I find to be an interesting result at the, on the clay. But uh, as Chip told us on one of the interviews that, uh, you know, growing up in Northern California, he was a little scrawny kid, actually, which we didn't know. But uh, he, he learned to, like, push, he said, you know. And that's he said, that's how I could play at the French, you know, and still do pretty well, which, which surprised me. But, uh, Tom... Then uh, the next uh, recollection I had of you, and 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 getting back to the Stark Center picture, why I was thinking about as being so apropos, is that uh, you know Tom, you all had a, a, a cast of characters on your team, and you had a really good team at Texas, and I you know I always felt that you were kind of the pulse of that team because. Uh, uh, if there's anybody, I, I don't want to insult Tom because he's much better looking than Billy Crystal, but I always walked away saying, this guy is the funniest guy I've ever been around, and he reminds me of Billy Crystal. I think it was more the, the New Jersey uh, thing, you know, but uh, uh, that was that was an interesting time for you. But I remember uh, showing you around campus a little bit, and your parents came down, I believe, and uh, that's uh, kind of a... A strange thing, uh, you know, New Jersey boy going down to the cowboy boots of Austin, Texas, huh? Yes, and I'll tell you a little bit. I, I was being recruited by Tennessee, Mike De Palmer at Tennessee. I was uh-huh. being co- uh, recruited by Coach Snyder. I was being recruited by Texas A&M and uh, also Ian Duvernay, University of Florida. So I had a few visits I took and, and everything like that. I even went to Clemson with Chuck Creasy. Um but at the end of the day, it came down to uh, Texas or Tennessee. 
And, um, you know, I had Johnny Levine, who was a very good friend of mine from the juniors, and we were playing doubles in the, in the 18s at that time. And I was very good friends with Paul Anacone, who I had lived with at, uh, at uh, Balateri. Of course, yeah. And, and Anacone was going to Tennessee, and Johnny was going to Texas, and they were both calling me every night, driving me crazy on where I was going to go. <laughs> uh, so, um, so at the end of the day... Um, I picked Texas, and and, uh, and and it's funny because I remember our visit, and um, you were the highlight of the visit. Um, you know, I I, I, uh, I had had they had you know, you know basically had the marching band for me at A and M, and you know they had a big big to do for me at Tennessee, but uh-huh. I had a good weekend in Austin, but I wouldn't say it was a an all time recruiting weekend. But but you were the highlight, and that. Uh, you made me laugh the whole weekend, and we had a, we had a great time. And, and you took me around. I remember going to the football games, and you're telling me about Earl Campbell and and the whole thing. And I just really? I like I really like the University of Texas. Um, and then basically the, the other thing that really sold me was at the time um, I could fly from from Newark Airport into Austin, Texas, and. Uh, and I couldn't fly into College Station, and at the time I couldn't fly into Knoxville. And when I when I went to visit A and M, I had to fly to Dallas and then take this little plane with like ten people with propellers into College Station. I remember the thing was bouncing around so much, I got so sick. I had a, I was laying down on the plane. <laughs> but by, by the time we landed in College Station, I was like, "Oh my God, I, I don't know if I can do this two or three times a year." You know, yeah, yeah, so, that's true. So, yeah. So, uh, so, so, so the fact that Austin was a was a was a city and a, and a growing city at the time was it was also an influence on my decision. Uh, not that Knoxville's not a bad place, but Austin was. You know, superior. You know, and there's a it, 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 in the tennis game because you room with people at Volatari's and uh, you get down there, and a lot of it comes down to who the guys are on the team too. I mean, the coach obviously is a, a big factor, but uh, you know, your peers and the guys that can play are are, are almost more important. Uh, talk about that a little bit. You you talk about Johnny Levine now. Johnny Levine, I think, is is one of the the underrated Longhorns of all time because the 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 amount of matches that he won and how far he got. Talk about a little bit about that guy because you guys were pranksters too. You were, weren't just tennis players. We, 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 we were. It's funny that you say that about Johnny because Johnny always uh, talks about Alan Fox, the famous coach at Pepperdine, and he says, you know, when when I remember us, I remember us talking. We were at the U.S. Open qualifying and we're talking Alan Fox and. And Alan Fox, uh, we were talking about, he was talking about my career and Johnny's career. And Johnny was, Johnny told him, I guess he was ranked at the time, you know, six in the nation. And the, and the, and, and there's something. And, and, and Alan says, yeah, you know, but you were an invisible six, you know, something like that. <laughs> so, when, so, so when you say underappreciated in Texas, I think Johnny's been getting that a little bit his whole, his whole life. You know, he, uh, He's always been kind of overlooked a little bit. And, yeah, um, yeah. He plus really, he's he right really, there. He really, he really shouldn't be because he was such a great player, you know. Well, he was, but he's such a, a humble guy that uh, that that he would he would never say anything. I, I tell you, I got inducted into that Hall of Honor down there, and I was so proud. But uh, I was looking, and it was just so impressive. Johnny Levine, who you know was really a better player than I was, 
came to my induction and I said, boy, there's, there's a mark of a humble soul. But, you know, that's interesting that you say Alan Fox because when I was, you know, 10 and, you know, in the, the mid-60s, uh, me and my brother used to do a little scrapbook on the best players in the nation, you know, in the world because you had the pros and then you had the U.S. and Alan Fox, I think, was he was number four, number five on our sticker, won the NCAAs. But he was kind of a little guy and a really smart guy like uh, Johnny because he coached Brad Gilbert, and I, I tease him because I said, hey, Gilbert should be giving you some royalties off that winning ugly book because uh, you taught him everything he knew once he got to college. Yeah, Alan is, Alan is great. I really enjoy talking to him. He's a really, really uh, cerebral guy. Uh, he's a tennis guy, and you know I follow him on Facebook, and I always go back and forth with him sometimes on analysis or or opinions on matches or players. But Alan's great. But um, yeah, so John, so if I get back to you know d- down to Texas, so I get right. down to Texas, and I don't know if this is true or not, but at the time I don't know anybody else from New Jersey, whoever was on the University of Texas tennis team when I went, and I'm not sure that there's ever been another person from New Jersey since I left. Is that right? I don't think so. So we can verify it, but I don't think so. So that was definitely unique in 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 itself. And and, and when I got down to Texas, um, it was funny because I would get called a Yankee and, 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 and I would joke around with everybody. But... You know, I fit in and I felt at home right away. And part of that was because the guys on the team were such class acts and such great guys. And they were upperclassmen. They were juniors and, and, and seniors. Like, and, like who? And, like, who? And like, like, like Craig Carden, like uh, mm-hmm. Ted Earp, like um, uh, uh, Doug Crawford. Uh, Doug, Doug Snyder. Uh-huh. Uh, um, you know, those guys, and I'm sure for Edgar Giffenig, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few names. Uh, Bill Paul Berryman? Crozier. Was Bill Berryman Paul, there? No, Paul Crozier. Paul uh, Crozier. That's a, that, that boy could play some tennis. He was a good player and such a good guy. And, and all good. these guys were such great guys, and, and down-to-earth and humble guys and hard workers. And um, they, you know, were great to me. You know, and they got a kick out of me, too, because I had the accent. And, I, uh-huh. you know, sometimes, sometimes I'd spout something out that was a little controversial and, <laughs> you know, take, take everybody back by surprise. But they were, all, they were all great. And then, obviously, I had Johnny and I were the, were the, were the main two, two, two freshmen that came in. And, and so they were seniors, them. Tommy, they were seniors at the they time? They were juniors. Juniors. They were juniors. Except for Doug. Doug Crawford was a senior. I see. Yeah. yeah, that group, there was a group of four or five of them that were all, it came in at the same time, kind of, and they were, you kind of ushered in a new class, you and Tommy, and and then, um, and then let's see, Fred Tome came in, and I guess. Yeah, Fred, Fred and Charles Beckman and, and Roy Steppy, they came in right after me, and uh, so uh, they were, they, that, that was, I kind of spread the years a little bit, so I had two years with, with the older group and, and, and two years with the younger group. What about so, Gavin Forbes? Was he there? Yeah, Gavin. I forgot Gavin. Yeah, Gavin yeah we don't want to forget Gavin. Now, Gavin's no, really got a Gavin. place. Well, tell, tell us about Gavin Forbes. Gavin was great. He was, a, he, was a, he was the South African on the team at the time. For, for some reason at that time, Texas had a, because of Kevin Curran maybe, we had a pipeline to South Africa. 
and uh, Gavin was on the team, and Gavin was a, a, um, a really great guy, a funny guy, a personality, a, uh, you know, he, he in his way was a leader of the team um, also with his personality and his smarts, and he, he, was, uh, he was quite a character. So we made a, we made a very, very good, very fun group. Yeah, Gavin uh, was a good player as well, and, and Cliff Drysdale's was. nephew, who Cliff really got Kevin Curran over there, so that was probably where that pipeline started. That's right. That's right. And obviously, then Roy Steppy came, which was the next South African after Gavin left. So we had a little pipeline going in, and all those guys were good players. Yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting little stat. That's probably a one in a billion chance that that Gary Plock and Kevin Curran lost in the finals at NCAA's. Gary Plock was from Louisville, Kentucky. Kevin Curran was from Durban, South Africa. Years later, I think maybe '85 or something. Uh, Beckman and Deppy lose in the finals, and Deppy's from Durban, South Africa, and Charles Beckman is from Louisville, Kentucky. Exactly right. That is great. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah. That, so, so the pipeline, the pipeline, the Louisville came to Austin also, right? That, that's that's exactly right. Well, you know, and then uh, tell us about what Gavin Forbes is doing now because it's pretty fascinating what uh, his life has been like after he played at Texas. Yeah, so Gavin, um, when Gavin finished playing, he played the circuit for a while, like a lot of us, and then found his way to, to an entry-level position at, uh, at IMG. And not surprising to me, because he had a, a galvanizing, you know, outgoing, great personality. Yes. yes. Able to sign Jim Currier and Pete Sampras right away. Oh, is so, that right? He signed that. Yeah. So at a very young age, Gavin's got Sampras and Courier wow. uh, under his fold, and I'm going to the U.S. Open, which I would attend every year, and you know see Gavin, and he's managing those guys. So he catapulted that into a lifelong career at IMG, and was a top agent, and very successful. Wow. And like you said, I mean, you guys must have had a lot of laughs because you had a lot of funny people on the team, like you said. And Paul Crozier, I might add, I mean, you know, Salt of the Earth and Turned Me On to the Oak Ridge Boys song Dream On, it, that, that you know, which epitomized him because he was just a cold, calculated winner, you know, and never said much at all, one of those guys. And so did you, ever, did you loosen him up? Did you loosen him up a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I tried. We, uh, we, he was my sweet mate. So, so, so we shared the bathroom at, at, at the Jester, and I, he got a kick out of me. I was always blasting my Bruce Springsteen music, <laughs> which, which, which no one ever heard of when I went to Texas. Is you know? that right? Oh, Snyder even said, who's that guy you like, Rick Springfield or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, and then Crozier would get a kick out of me, and then I was always like, had you know, had stuff going in and out of my room, and he would just you know, barge in on him, and and he was he was he was he was great. So I think he he was the perfect guy to to, to deal with me from New Jersey. I think Coach Snyder maybe knew something in advance. I better give him a solid, steady Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, what about? Yeah. Uh, you, you, I I think that uh, Charles Beckman was telling me something about a little prank that you and Johnny might have pulled on him or um, I can't remember do you know what I'm Johnny, talking about Johnny, Johnny, Johnny's forte was Johnny can disguise his voice oh really so Johnny, Johnny is was, was great at the time with the old telephone Johnny decided to prank some 
some of the guys, and he would he'd call, he'd, he'd call up and he's, he he made a, he made himself a guy named Tom Henry from the Daily Texan. So <laughs> he would he would be calling people. He'd be calling people and and interviewing them like on the phone and telling them you know have a big article in the paper and, and asking them all kinds of questions. And I think he had a fun little phone call with Charles Beckman one night and. Uh, Kind of, kind of like played with him a little bit, like at practice. Hey, did you hear from that guy Tom Henry or or whatever? And Charles would go, yeah. So we let the thing go for like a month, but uh, and then finally told Charles who Tom Henry was, and it was one of the funniest things ever. So Johnny would, Johnny had a good fun way about him that way, and uh, he did it to a bunch of players. I mean, one time uh, I think he even called the pizza guy, and uh, well, you know you had to get pizzas delivered to to Jester. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy would come in the lobby, and <laughs> he would hand out the pizzas. And if there's a pizza left over, he would call up to the room or something. So obviously, we don't go down. Johnny doesn't go down to get the pizza. And so the guy calls up and said, "Listen, I got your pizza. I'm in the lobby." And he says, "What are you talking about? I didn't order pizza." So the guy says, "No, I'm in the lobby." He says, let, "Let me tell you something. You, you know, blank, 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 blank. I didn't order a pizza." And if you say one more word, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to kick, you know, just like that. So the pizza guy is like, I'm coming down there right now. So, 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 you know, just funny stuff like that, you know, that we would, we would prank a little bit, the pizza guy, but then obviously somebody would go down and say, we're just kidding and pay for the pizza. But, you know, just stuff like that. He, he was, he was famous for that stuff. I think yeah. that, I think that Charles told me that you guys had him dress up in a coat and tie to go somewhere either to, for a matchmate. Thing. No, no, no. That's exactly right. We had a coat, coat and tie for the, uh, for the, for the, di- for, 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 for the dinner or for the interview and for pictures. Or <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Now, Charles, Charles Beckman became a, a top 50 player in the world in doubles and, uh, he's yeah. got a daughter that's a great player, but he was, uh, he was quite a player, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you this one story about Johnny cause it's funny because, um, we get down to the university of Texas and it's probably the, my first Friday night as a freshman. Okay. And Johnny's got a room across the hall from me and I'm over here and I'm, and I'm in the shower, you know, and you, you know, you know how we were in our dorm, the doors are open, guys yeah. are walking, you know, yeah. so Johnny would come in and all of a sudden I hear a knock on the glass, you know, I'm in the shower and he says, uh, Tom, I said, yeah, he says, Johnny, how you doing? He says, I need to, I need a big favor from you. I said, he says, he says, what are you doing tonight? I said, I don't know. I said, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to go, I'm going to check out a couple frat parties. I'm going to go meet somebody for, for uh, you know, to, to show me around over here. And I'm, he says, listen, I need you to do me a big favor. I need you to go with me to Temple Shalom. I said, Johnny, Temple Shalom? I said, we're in Austin, Texas. He says, my dad, my mom, they want me to go over and meet the rabbi and, and, and this and that. I said, Johnny. I'm down here from New Jersey, right? I just left a lot of my Italian brothers, a lot of my Jewish friends. I came down to meet some, you know, Southern girls, you know, named Jackson, Jefferson, (laughs) Washington, okay? I said, the last place I want to go tonight is Temple Shalom. Oh, you got to do me this, you got to do me this favor. You got to do it. I said, all right, all right, all right. So, so. I get dressed. I said, "All right, I'll go. I'll go with you for a half hour, and then I'm I'm off." All right. So, so we walk into Temple Shalom, and there's like about 20 people 
20 boys and girls are sitting around and they're drinking some some Kool-Aid or and they're having some Kugel, which is a, a Jewish kind of dessert or something. And I walk in and I, I, I Johnny, Johnny, we're, we walk over to the group and all of a sudden Johnny taps me on the shoulder and says, I have to go. So the, he, he went with the rabbi in the back room. He leaves me standing there with 20 people with, uh, you know, Spider and Kugel. All right. So I, so I say to myself, all right, I say to myself, all right, I'm going to have some fun here, you know. So, so I start telling everybody my name's Tom Greenberg. I'm from Great Neck, Long Island. All of a I had a group around me like you wouldn't believe. All right, I was the hit of the, I was the hit of the night. Johnny comes out, he looks at me, and he just starts laughing hilariously. You know. <laughs> that was my first night out at the University of Texas. That's I, I funny. Yeah. Well, you know what. So, we're, yeah. we're we're joking around about Johnny, but when it came to tennis, Johnny was pretty serious, wasn't he? Yes, yes, yes. He was very serious, very hard worker, very um, very very single mindedly focused on his tennis. Seemed like a very uh, meticulous, compulsive guy about getting it per- perfect. Yes, uh, probably. You know, listen. You know, it probably his Achilles heel in a way. You know, listen, in life, a lot of times what makes you really successful sometimes can also be, you know, something that can be troubling or a detriment in, in certain ways also. But I'll tell you this, he was, he was emphatic about hitting certain amount of balls. He was emphatic about feeling comfortable on his strokes. He, uh, he would spend hours drilling at certain guys on the team that he wanted to hit with because they hit a certain type of ball. Um, he was definitely a little uh, anal retentive in his practice and, and, and some of the stuff that he did, which also made him as good a player as he was. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did not lo- he did not lose very often. No, and he won right away. And, and let me tell you something right now, because I got a taste of it as a senior. Playing first singles at the University of Texas is not easy. No. Uh, <laughs> You're right you, about that. You never, you never had a day off. I don't care whether we were playing Southwest Texas or we were playing, you know, uh, you know, one of the smaller schools. You always had a match at, at number one, and you better be ready to play. You better have your game. So, so I have nothing but respect for coming in as a freshman and and being so successful and winning right away was a hell of an effort. And really, really shouldn't go unnoticed. No, it really shouldn't. And I, I think that's why I have such a bond with uh, Johnny, because Steve Denton, he still chuckles at me because he's got that 81% winning or 79%. And I, I mine is like 74 point something or something like that. But, you know, I was playing number one, you know, halfway through my freshman year until towards the end and when we'd kind of flip it around according to who we were playing and obviously Kevin Curran was was much better at that point I think than, than any of us but uh, uh, you know when when you, you you didn't have a day off uh, you were always playing the one guy that could play on the team even That's if right. it was a bad team but Johnny uh, Johnny had that type of game where he probably wore, you know, and I didn't get to see him play a lot, but he probably wore guys down, and he probably hardly ever missed. And he probably had a little more topspin than the average guy in that day because you guys were in an interesting period, Tom, because you were in that transition period but with the rackets and the, the head size and that kind of thing. That's right. And then, you know, 
you know, Johnny was so he was so fast and he was so solid and God, he was just he, he just unbelievable to go from defense to offense. But yes, you had to be a really, really, really polished player and polished athlete to beat him. Who would you, you compare him? Who would you compare him to in today's game, if you could, or close to? Well, I used to compare him to uh, Paul Goldstein. Um, when Paul Goldstein was on the tour, um, what and about now, Ferrer? Would Ferrer be? Um, not really, not really, because Johnny was Johnny was more of a counter puncher. He could hurt you with the forehand a little bit. He could work the point and get a short forehand. He could hurt you with it. Um, you know, a guy on the tour today. I mean, if I had to pick somebody, you know, I would probably say maybe Schwartzman. Uh-huh. But, uh, yes. You know, uh-huh. but you no. Know, I would say Paul Goldstein's probably a better uh, analogy. It's just you know he had to work for everything, but he was just he was just so good at it. He was a fighter and a grinder, and he mm-hmm. was he, he was just a tough out. If you beat him, you played you played well. And I did see I did see a couple guys that would come in and just could 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 finish, or they hit the ball so big that they could have a great day and beat him. You mean like but an Anacone or somebody like that? Anacone, Anacone was such a good athlete; he could get in on the net on him, and he could he could he could really cover the net and do things uh-huh. like that. And then I saw Kelly Everett in one day, who you know Kelly was a smasher of the ball, right. had a hot one day. So those were the type of guys that could catch him. But you know, if you weren't if you weren't if you were a little off or you weren't playing great, you know, you weren't going to beat him. You know, and he was he was very consistent, extremely consistent. Well, and he was I guess he was was he seated too at NCAA's when him and Perm Force played that epic match and Johnny was up on him. And, uh, yes, yes, he he was in the you know, was the semifinals and I think Johnny was up a set and a break. Uh-huh. Um yeah. you know, Johnny and Pern Force wound up coming back and winning the match and, and winning the tournament and then winning it again next year. I know it was a devastating loss for Johnny at the time. Um, but you know, looking back on it today, Pern first was a hell of a hell of a player. So, uh, but I guess he just felt the opportunity was there. I think Anacone had lost, and um, he had he felt he had an opportunity to really win it. So I know that really stuck stuck with him. Yeah, because and, I think I think that I think that uh, Pern Force just drilled Lawson Duncan in the finals. If yeah, I've got the year yeah. right, and I think Johnny. I think Johnny was up maybe four two in the second set or something like that, yes, and, and was, maybe, maybe a tight game there, which could have gone a different way. But you know that's that's the difference. I mean, one one point here, one point there, but uh, great competitor as Charles Beckman was. And he's also he's also he's also playing Pern Fours at Georgia too. Let's not forget. Oh, that. that's right. They'd slowed yeah. those courts down, which was you know maybe yeah. not that bad for uh, for Johnny. I don't know, but. Uh, I yeah. mean, just the crowd, you know, they would get the crowd. Oh out yeah. Okay. Well, so, uh, yeah, so. put them on a neutral site and see what happens. I mean, that's that's got to right. be a few games. That's got to be a few games over three sets for sure. No question. People forget that that it was at Georgia. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, what'd you yeah. what'd you um, think about that overall experience at Texas? And what did it do for you? It was fantastic. I mean, those guys are, are friends today. I speak to a lot of them quite often. The bond we had as a team, I talk about guys that liked each other and got along. I mean, we're as close as, as any team, probably like the teams you were on. Um, you know, we were we were very, very close. Um, I, I think Coach Snyder was, was great. He's such a class act, such a, 
such a good coach, such, you know, so well organized, so thoughtful. Um, you know, I think he made a great move also when I was there, and I think he carried it on, I think, till the end. But when I got there as a freshman, you know, he had had a tradition of playing challenge matches, Coach Snyder. And we started playing our challenge matches in the fall, and we they, they were heated matches, and, and guys were getting into arguments, and, and guys were, you know, it, it just wasn't going well. And Coach Snyder ended the challenge matches. He just, right in the middle of it, just ended it. And basically from then on, he made the lineup the rest of my four years there. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think there was one complaint from a player on the lineup the rest of the way. I would have to agree with that because he actually did that with us too. He saw how competitive that Denton and Curran and Stuart Keller and Brad Neighbors and Gonzalo Nunez, and he just, he he would play uh, some matches to see who would go to you know, on road trips and things like that. As a matter of fact, Kevin Kern was down a couple match points against Bill Fisher to go to the National Indoors his freshman year, came back and won the match just to get in to, sh- to, play, wow. number si- to play number six his freshman year. Of course, when you're coming over from South Africa to America, it's a little bit different. It takes a little time. But Bill Fisher, you know, was, was right there. And so, but, you know, you're right. He... Uh, I thought that was a great move by coach and mm-hmm. I, I you know what and, and you know what the guys on the team you know you know and I always said this to, to teams that I've coached I've coached youth sports both basketball tennis I've coached some high school tennis you know the kids know the, the, the guys know you know and yes. the coach knows. Yes. we play enough we play enough matches in the fall we play enough matches you know that you know and if there's anything it's it's, it's one spot that's a maybe could go either way and you know what? The guys are pretty darn good with it. The guys don't want the the guys don't want the aggravation of the travel challenge matches. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I copied Coach Snyder every time I coached from 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 then on with any kind of a lineup situation. So I thought that was a great move, and I, I highly recommend that for for all coaches. So that was something that really impressed me. And then you know I, I just think Coach was was just. Uh, he was always there for you. He, he, if you had trouble, he was there for you. And he also just had great character. So, you know, I, I, I was not easy for him. I probably was one of his, one of his tougher guys because I would, you know, I would make my comments and I had my opinions. And But, you know, I thought he handled me really well. And, uh, you know, I definitely learned from him. Maybe he learned a thing or two from, from having a guy from New Jersey on a team. <laughs> You know, well, you know, he loved you, and, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that because I uh, I jumped the gun and called Coach Snyder a couple minutes before uh, we were going to talk, and, and he was – this is a great thing about Coach Snyder. I don't know if he's 86, 87, 85, but he's out playing golf in the 100-degree heat in Austin today, and his wife answered, and I said, I don't know if you remember Tom Fontana or not, and she, and this is the ultimate sign of respect. She chuckled. She goes, oh, yeah, I remember Tom, and you know, and uh, you always had a smile on your face, and I think what you did, one of the things, and, you know, Doug Crawford, I think, did that. He was a funny guy, too. Um, you know, has kept the team loose because, you know, those are tight situations. You're playing these conferences. Uh, you know, Johnny, I'm sure, I'm sure you had to counsel him a few times when he was probably ready to blow his top getting ready to play a match. But, 
you know, that, yeah. that's part of the team, you know, is, yeah. is having a cohesiveness and kind of a, a little bit of a looseness, you know, uh, so things aren't over the top. Yes, exactly right. I mean, I think that, that and the team got along so well. We never got on each other's case. We always tried to help each other. We all became better players. Uh, we all had our adversity. Um, it was it was a great experience, and and, and 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 couldn't have made a better decision. Johnny and I are talk talk every other day to this day. Well, you know, we have a very we have a very good relationship, and, and you know. I, I, we had a good relationship on the court, and we have a better one off the court. What and, kind of uh, rackets did you guys use at that time? Well, I was a, I was one of the I was one of the first Prince Graphite guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I think I think Johnny Johnny was a Johnny was a if I had to guess maybe a Wilson Pro Staff guy. So so that was the that was the deal with the oh racket. like that Edberg racket kind of that black. Pro staff racket that yeah, was graphite. Black, the black, yeah, the black pro staff. I'm pretty sure that was that was mm-hmm. it. Sampras, and, uh, yeah. yeah, we had the you know we played at the old complex. Obviously, we did my, my, my senior year. We I did move over to the new complex. So I was one of the guys that had to play that transition year over at the uh, Inter- the Intermural courts. Oh. Uh, so so I had to play. I had played. I had to play that year. So over was there. that Charles Beckman's freshman year and Roy Steppy and. I think it was. I uh-huh. think it was. Because you, exactly you were a senior when they, they were a freshman, right? Yeah, I think I had to play my, actually, I think I had to play my senior year at, uh, at the Intermural. So I, we, were, we were all the way through my junior year at the old complex. Uh-huh. And, what a great uh, complex that was, right by the football stadium. I yes. love that place. Yes, it was. It was. It was great. It was right behind there, and uh, it was great. And you know what? So we had to transition, and then the new place was built, but... Um, it was it was great. It was it was it was a lot of fun. So well, Tommy, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Tell us what you're doing now. And and I know you've you've got some daughters that are athletes as well that you've coached and watched in the here recently, haven't you? I'll give you yeah, I'll give you. You know, I, um, I I finished my years at Texas. I played two years on the tour. I, I, I lost in the qualifying, unfortunately, at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. Who'd you I, lose to? Who, do you remember who you lost to in those? Yeah, games? I lost to uh, Jorge Lozano. Oh yeah, Mexico. Uh-huh. And uh, the U.S. Open, I lost to a guy by the name of Mark Basham, who was a UCLA player at the time. Yeah, Basham <laughs> and Lozano was a great doubles player. He won some yeah. ATP tour events. Well, yeah, it was a long, it was a long, long, long one on grass, long three setter on the grass. But, uh-huh. Yeah, well, I played the circuit for a while. I won a couple, bunch of. Challenger doubles tournaments and, and some satellite doubles tournaments. With who? I got to 312 in the world was my was my my best ranking. So uh, that was that. Then after that, I got into the insurance business and I started coaching tennis. So I was coaching for about 10 years, and one of the guys I coached was Justin Gimmelstab, who was a is that player. right? Yeah, Justin and I are. I had him since he was 10. I took him to Kalamazoo when he won it at 18. I was with him when he won his first round at the Open. Wow. And I took him to his last match when he lost to Roddick at uh, the U.S. Open and Wimbledon that year. So I basically knew him, you know, from 10 to 32. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's going through some adversity now, but hopefully he'll he'll come out of it. Um, but he had a he had a good career. And then I, there was about five or six other guys I coached that all went and played D1 at Wisconsin or Michigan. or So I was coaching a bunch of boys. Where was like, that, in, in, in New Jersey? All in, all in New Jersey. All in New Jersey. 
Um, so I coached in New Jersey for about 10 years as I was still in, as I was in business. So this was like a part-time gig. And then I had kids of my own and then none of my kids, unfortunately played tennis. They played basketball and golf. So I had two basketball players and two golfers. So, so I started learning how to caddy and, uh, I started learning how to coach basketball. Uh-huh. I probably have gone to every basketball coaching clinic, uh, seen everybody speak and I, I had a blast learning that game and coaching and uh so, I, so i've been in the insurance business steady and then this two years ago i uh became a partner in a brand new indoor tennis club in new jersey so i am an owner of a tennis club which is not far from where we met it's in deal new jersey deal and sure and uh I'm on the court now. I'm, I'm running the Elite Junior program on Mondays and Thursdays from six to eight, and I'm working with a talented 11-year-old boy. So I'm kind of back into the tennis part time. And uh, my last two daughters are about to go to college, and uh, I figure I'll get back on the tennis court now. You know, it it always comes full circle with tennis. It seems like if you're a real tennis in your in your veins you know you're going to come back to it at some point i feel sorry for the guys that don't that just walk away from it uh forever because it is really a life lifetime sport well tom yeah. thanks for joining us today it's uh it's been a great one i really enjoyed it and i, I always learn something on these podcasts and so um i'll have to i hope charles beckman is qu- not quite as naive as he was back in the day these stories are great and boy the, the, the youth is boy I, I yearn for these years to get these years back because they were so much fun and life unfortunately takes on a lot of responsibility you know after that and then those years God you're always your mind's always going back to those those years yeah, you, but we don't know how good we had it do we that's right but anyway this, this podcast thing that you're doing is fantastic um, you're, 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 you're very good at it also the way you ask questions and the way you pause and you probe so uh, congratulations on that and obviously you're, you're, you're a legend in the Hall of Fame now and, and I was so happy to, to hear that and see that so congratulations on the Hall of Fame well, thanks, Tom. and uh, I wish you the best of luck and hopefully over the next six months to a year or so our paths will cross, and, and I'll get to see you. Well, I want to come up and uh, work in your tennis program, see what you're doing. Come take a I couple weeks sabbatical and and uh, see what you're doing. I think that would be a blast. I'd, lo- I'd love it. I'd love it for sure. Okay? All so right. We'll see you around, right. see you around the bend, big boy. Yeah, you got it. Bye-bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. Yeah, bye.